So Juicy Lucy is a burger and they cut a hole in it and they infuse cheese into the burger and then they put cheese on the burger. So it's just a bunch of cheese and cheese is my absolute favorite food, (laughs) if you didn't know that about me. So it's just a bunch of unhealthiness (laughs) on a burger and it is the most amazing thing ever. And Matt's Bar has a good one and the Nook has a good one as well. All right, excellent. So not great for a pregame meal, but perhaps postgame, pound a few beers back. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Okay. Anything else? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's so many things at the state fair, but that's not during the season. So you won't be able to see that. Boo. Or have them. <laughs> I'll eat it for you, though. Okay, cool. Just just send me a few pics. <laughs> Yeah, I, oh, I will. All the things you're missing because you're not from the great state of Minnesota. Awesome. Exactly. I can't wait. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founding Four podcast. I am your host, Erica Ayala. Founding Four podcast is a weekly NWHL-centric women's hockey show. We are an independently run podcast hosted by me as part of the growing sports talk with ela podcast network founding four pod is the flagship sports podcast for sports talk with ela but we have more coming including more women's hockey i'm in the middle of the wnba finals my goodness game one went to the washington mystics game two the connecticut sun so i will be up in connecticut at mohegan sun for games three and four and for at, at minimum a dollar a month you can help my independently run coverage of women's sports and women in sport so head over to patreon sports talk with ela shout out to the patrons who have helped me get this show back up and running but all right back to this episode here are a few notes about my guest for this week my guest is a maplewood minnesota native who played at the university of maine where she tallied 45 goals, 25 assists in her 132 games for the Black Bears. As a NWHL rookie with the Riveters last season, she netted a team leading eight goals, no assists, more on that later, (laughs) and was named a 2019 NWHL All-Star. This year, she returns to her home state of Minnesota and will resume the family profession teaching. Without further ado, here is my interview with Minnesota Whitecaps forward, Audra Richards. All right, we're here with another episode of the Founding Four podcast, and I am on with Audra Richards, formerly of the Metropolitan Riveters, newly signed to the Minnesota Whitecaps. Audra, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I am also fantastic. Thank you for asking. Uh, Glad to have you on. Uh, You know, always love interviewing you, if only because you usually think you do a terrible job and almost never is that actually the case. So (laughs) I just want us to have fun. It's just you and me talking and whoever listens to the podcast later. So it's going to be fine. Perfect. Um, Sorry for all the viewers. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's get started with um, 
you know, you're coming back to the NWHL and you'll be able to play home in Minnesota. Obviously, I spoke to you um, earlier for something for the Nine News Honor, and it just sounded like being back home was something really important for you. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit again. Um, being able to play back home in Minnesota, uh, what are you looking forward to the most? Um. Like I said earlier, the thing I'm looking forward to the most is seeing my family in the stands consistently every time I step on the ice. Um, I'm also excited that I don't have to move again. I get to stay put in Minnesota, and um, I get to stay around all my friends and family, and it's just going to be an awesome, awesome winter and season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving is always tough. Uh, and, and so you're back home. Um, but something that I learned pretty quickly of, about your family is like they're lots of fun, um, but they can also be kind of brutal. So where does that come from? Like it seems like the family, they, they just you're a family that kind of likes to give it to each other, but in the most loving way possible. Is that accurate? Would you say that that's how your yeah. family is? We are very, very competitive, and I might be the most competitive one, so I do kind of test my sisters a lot, and my dad, because my dad actually, actually, I take that back. I think my dad might be the most competitive one, and he, we learn from him to give it to each other. Oh, okay, cool. So I would say he's a a ringleader of it all. (laughs) All right, let's give a shout out to the family. So uh, who all is in the family? What's the pecking order? Where do you fall? Um, so my mom, and then my dad, Scott, and then I have my oldest sister. She's McKenna. Um, she is a, uh, kindergarten preschool t- teacher. And then my sister Haley, she is, um, the middle child. She is, um, a dental assistant in an oral surgery center. And then I'm the youngest and the favorite. <laughs> um, and I'm just a PE teacher. So that's my family. Very small and fun. Yeah, for sure. All three girls, just like me and my sisters growing up. But uh, what did your parents do for work while uh, you three girls were growing up? Um, My mom is a secretary at Century College. And then my dad is also a PE teacher in an elementary school in St. Paul at Randolph Heights. But my dad also has a side gig. Um, He sells mini donuts. Mini um, in the summers. Mini donuts, yeah. like 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 donuts, like the what is it? Like a pastry? It's just like a mini donut. It's not out east. It's really weird, but it's like a thing in Minnesota. Oh. They're just mini donuts that come out hot, and then you put sugar on them. Oh man! And then I... you know, like you know what a cheese curd is, right? Yes. Yeah, like fried cheese curds. It's oh. like a donut that comes out hot at fairs. Oh man. What the heck? Yep. Uh, first of all, I'm a little bit bummed that we're just having this mini donut conversation for the first time. Like, <laughs> this would have been really good information to know. <laughs> yep. My family sells mini donuts. And we've been, my dad has been doing it. Next year will be the 30th year. Oh, my goodness. All right. Putting it on the list for when I come to Minnesota for the next time. I got to learn about this. This uh, There are a few Perfect. delicacies in Minnesota that we don't have out here in the East that I've been learning yeah. a lot about. Um, all right. Okay. I'm, I'm going to get completely distracted now. But but before we go back to food, um, the reason I wanted to ask about what your parents did is because it seems like there's a through line here of education because you are also going back to Minnesota uh, to teach. Yes. 
Um, so, so what was that like growing up in a, in a in a family that was very much surrounded by education? Yeah, um, it was a lot of fun. My dad is probably the best gym teacher any student could ever have. Um, he, I don't know. I just fell in love with Jim because of him. And that's why I'm a teacher. And I know my sister, I know she kind of wishes she was a gym teacher too, because she sees us having fun <laughs> while she's grading and doing all the boring stuff. But, um, <laughs> I definitely fell in love with or wanting to be a gym teacher since preschool. Um, when I was younger, me and my friend, at preschool graduation, we said that we were going to be gym teachers half days and work at the same school after my dad retired. That is not going to happen, but <laughs> I did follow through with being a gym teacher. So that's um, it was fun. Cool. I always got to go to his schools and pretend to be the gym teacher because I was Mr. Richard's daughter. <laughs> so I was Miss Richards to everyone, and I just thought it was super cool to be called Miss Richards. That is pretty cool. So it's it's been it's been in your blood for a while. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So I feel like there is this pop culture stereotype though that comes with physical education teachers. But if I'm not mistaken, while you were playing with the Riveters, you were still finishing up some grad school. Is that correct? Yes, I got my master's at Mankato and health education. And I originally did that because it's easier to get a job in the high school if you have health. But um, when I came out of college, I got my teaching job that I'm at now in an elementary school and I fell in love with elementary and I'm not sure I will go back to high school <laughs> because I love my little students. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Very different vibe. Very different yeah. vibe for sure. Um, all right, cool. So when you're coming up with what to do as far as a curriculum or activities for elementary school students in particular, you have a health background, you obviously are an athlete yourself. Um, you know, how do you mix and balance some of the things from an academic perspective that you're trying to do with students um, with incorporating some of the things that made you fall in love with uh, physical education, which is the fun part? Um, I would say I just try and keep things as fun, as light as possible for my students. And I encourage all the students to participate. And if I guess my biggest thing is make sure they have, they're having fun and they're participating. And that's what's going to make them fall in love as long as they're having fun. All right. So now I want to I want to move toward your hockey career. As many of our uh, listeners here at the Founding Four Pod will know you from your rookie season with the Riveters. And so I think it's interesting because you say that you come from a pretty competitive family, but you also have this background of wanting to make um, competition or uh, sports fun. So what kind of uh, player are you on the ice? Are you? Do you skew more to the fun side? Do you? Does the competitive edge really come out? And are you pretty intense? How would you describe your your style of play? Um, I would say I like to have fun, but I have fun through being competitive. Mm. Like I get like a rush from being competitive. I would say I'm intense. Yeah, I would say I'm intense. Yeah, I get very mad at myself when I'm not doing what I should be doing on the ice. And sometimes it shows in my face, but usually I can calm down and 
gather my stuff and continue to play. But yeah. yeah. So it seems like it's like a, like a, like I need competitiveness in my life or I would not survive. Yeah. That's really interesting. <laughs> I, I can relate for sure. But like your competitiveness, if we were to compare you to a teammate, such as say Madison Packer, like your competitiveness, it seems that it comes out in maybe a different way than the competitiveness that Packer is well known for. Would you think yeah, that, that's fair? <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily yep. going to be, you know, scrapping it up in the corners per se. Yeah. I'm just going to make sure that I don't lose any battles after that. If I lose one, I guess. I like that. I like it. I dig it. All right, cool. So I also want to walk through with our founding four uh, fans. We asked them to highlight some games that were pretty interesting um, and that were memorable. Now, uh, I, I don't think this is a stretch for you, but not many of the games from last year's Riveters team made the all-time Riveters uh, you know, list. It was a little bit of a tough season for a lot of reasons. Maybe we'll get into that. But there were three games that I thought really stood out that I would love to get your feedback on, if you can remember. And the first was a 4-3 shootout victory at home. I believe it was the first Riveters win at home. And um, you scored a hat trick in that game against Connecticut. Well, what do you remember about that game? Um, I just remember it being a lot of back and forth. And I just was lucky with the puck. And I wouldn't say lucky. I had really good line mates that were able to get me the puck in a situation where I could pop it in the net. And I think that that gave me, Nye and Grushow were connecting really, really, really well. Yeah. And we were just vibing. We were vibing out there. Yeah, that's right. That was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Mie's first official game back on the ice. She had come back for the game uh, prior to that. Um, you know, and so you talk about your line mates there, um, but it did seem that there were times throughout the season where uh, sometimes because of injuries, sometimes perhaps because of uh, coaching decisions that things were being shaken up. Just generally speaking, when you do feel that you have – chemistry with with line mates um but then things get switched up like what kind of a player are you are you the kind of player that's gonna be like hey coach are you sure you want to like mess with this because I feel like we got a good thing going or are you just kind of like all right coach makes a choice this is what we're gonna do uh yeah usually I get very mad if I feel something's going really well for me and my line mates and it's helping our team I get I get angry that things are getting switched up but um, I usually don't say anything to coach because I trust the coach most of the time, and um, they're they run the the squad. So I mean, it's their decision. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to talk to you about another overtime uh, shootout victory. This one was against the Buffalo Buttes. Uh, the first one was earlier in the season. I want to say it was in November. This now is is taking us late in the season. It's it's March. Um, you know, the Buttes had pretty much established themselves. It was, uh, the Riveters and the Whale really kind of fighting, um, you know, to, to see who would 
essentially get to host that play-in game. Um, so a, a win against the Buttes at this time of the year in March was was pretty significant. Um, again, another 4-3 uh, shootout win there. What do you remember about that game uh, with Buffalo? Notoriously, the Riveters and the Buttes always had pretty intense matchups, and this was one of the last in the regular season. Yes. Um, I believe that was one of the games when Terry, our assistant coach, came in. And it was – so we had a lot of fire under um, under us, but um, I think that was a huge thing. He helped us a lot after a lot of things that we went through that everybody understands that I'm not going to say. But um, <laughs> uh, we I – def- I think we just came in knowing that we had to win to – come in the top for the to get home ice advantage for our play-in game but I would just say we felt the pressure and we needed to um, do it for ourselves yeah and uh, definitely was a statement win um, for those who believe in in statement wins if ever a team needed one I think I think it was the Riveters um, around that time And then there was another game and you kind of alluded to this and I want to stay here for a little bit um, you know, you, you alluded to some of the difficulties, let's say, that the, the Riveters were having. Uh, at, at one time, it was a goalie situation, goalies coming in and out. Uh, obviously, every team deals with injuries. And in between, somewhere between that, that shootout victory um, against the Buttes and then one of the final regular season games against the Connecticut Whale, that was a time where things did get switched as far as your role on the team and, 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 you know, not only your line mates, but uh, on which line you were playing. Um, and so what do you remember specifically about how you were able to just stay focused as a lot of things, uh, for the team. And then even for you as an individual on the team were, were difficult and we're, and we're changing. Um, well, at the end of the season, I was sick. I had strep throat for like a week and then we played a game I believe it was in Buffalo I can't remember which what weekend it was but then I came back and then I had the flu but I refused to stop playing and I know that that was some of the decisions that Randy had to make and I understand that but um I knew our team had to win and Whatever was best for the team, that's was best for the team. I had to stay focused, and I had to believe that that was the right decision. Yeah, I remember that time. It was a very dangerous time to be covering the Riveters because it seemed like every every other day someone else was sick. Uh, and it was, yeah, that, that road trip um, coming back from Buffalo that I remember uh, there was a bug that went around pretty bad. But um, so you're getting yourself back, your health back, you're, you're getting your, your strength back. And I remember that you, uh, it was before this game, against Connecticut on March 7th and you know usually you kind of are 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 rolling your eyes when I'm like all right Audra we're gonna we're gonna do some media stuff but this is before this game you actually sought me out and you're like Erica look I'm gonna score today do you remember telling me that uh yes I was coming out of the locker room or something but I do remember telling you that because I was like you said, being shifted around, and I felt that 
I could contribute more to the team than my coach had thought, and I wanted to prove something to him. And you indeed did score in that game. You scored twice, as a matter of fact, and the Riveters get a 5-2 victory. And again, this is right before we're getting ready to head into the playoffs. So, I mean, you know, it's one thing to kind of like say that and we weren't on air or anything like that. Um, but it's another thing to go out there and, and do it. Um, and and so, you know, what kind of and, – and maybe we've already talked about this, but just bring it home for us, Audra. Like what – is it that made you confident enough not only to say that, but then also to execute on it uh, twofold? Because you gave me not one, but two goals that game. <laughs> I'm not a huge liar. <laughs> there you go. So I, ha- I had to, like, I had to do it. I didn't want to lie to you. <laughs> well, that That's was very considerate. It. There you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Pretty but, straightforward. I said it. I got to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. But I knew I had to do something because I knew we were going to win the game and I knew we were going to head to Minnesota and I wanted to be in an important role when we were playing Minnesota. Not only because like, I, I live there and there's going to be a lot of people in the stands, but I wanted to have the opportunity to help my um, team more than I was helping them with what situation I was in. Yeah. Absolutely. And like I said, you did it. It was great. Um, and and so now let's talk about Minnesota. So you, you have that game against the Connecticut Whale. Uh, you you get to the, the semifinals as it would be um, for the NWHL. But then, you know, in true Riveters fashion last season in particular, like it just it became this wild trip of delays. And then I think you guys made it as far as Charlotte, North Carolina, before you had to turn around and come back. What do you remember? A lot of us got to witness that through uh, Kimberly Sass and her amazing social media. But for you, what was that experience like? <laughs> um, unlike no other, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I was just really wanted to get to Minnesota because, I wanted to go home. I wanted to see my family. So I was very frustrated with that whole situation. And I'm not a huge fan of like sitting in one spot. I'm a gym teacher for a reason. I can't sit. <laughs> like, I, so me sitting in the airport and sitting on these airplanes and we didn't go anywhere was the most frustrating thing I've ever been a part of. But the funny part was we, um, we were, we got a, Cause we flew out of JFK, I think, but we got a, um, hotel and we know we have to get up at like three 30 to get to the airport to try and catch this flight to try and get to Minnesota for the day, day of game. So we're only getting three hours of sleep and about at 1130 PM, someone writes in our group chat and says, isn't it daylight savings? tonight or tomorrow or whatever and they're like yeah but we couldn't figure out when or like how like does our phone change on itself or like do we have to like manually no we had to manually change all of our um phones because it turned at 2 a.m and i don't know something and we had to be up at three but more of the story is our head coach didn't even change his thing because we figured it out so late at night so we had to go wake him up oh. to get on the air 
to, or to get on the bus. So oh we almost gosh. all didn't make it to that airport in time because of daylight savings. <laughs> oh my but gosh. It was definitely a team bonding experience. So <laughs> there you go. Take something to look back on and laugh at. Yeah, for sure. And poor Kelly Nash, because this is, you know, NCAA is oh, yeah. already in playoffs. I think she actually beat you all to Minnesota only to then have to turn around and come right back. Yep. I <laughs> and, felt extremely bad for that human. Yeah. And Packer ended up uh, there earlier too. I think it's because she was flying out of Connecticut. If I, if I remember the story yeah. correctly. Yeah. Wild ride. All right. So a little bit of a delay, some uh, humorous uh, little life moments that you shared with teammates. Um, but then, all right, you finally do get to Minnesota. And now for the Riveters, that meant that if you were going to get to that championship game, uh, first you'd have to go through the Whitecaps. Um, but then you'd be playing Friday, Sunday. Um, and and so after a disastrous <laughs> travel experience the week before, um, what were the conversations that the team was having about having to now fly out of Minnesota? And if you were able to win again, have to play with such a short turnaround. Um, there was definitely a lot of conversations going on just because uh, we had girls that couldn't miss work, which kind of stunk. So we, had, we were missing some girls. Um, but I don't think anybody was worried about the turnaround because if we beat, if we beat Minnesota, we would have had enough adrenaline in our bodies to come and play Buffalo the next day. Yeah. And I mean, it was, uh, it, it was, well, let me ask you, what do you remember of that semifinal matchup between Minnesota on that Friday? Oh gosh. Um, not much. I remember we held with them for a good amount of time, but then sometimes the wheels fall off the bus and we lost track of them for a bit. And then um, I remember Randy shortening the bench to two lines and he didn't often do that. So my lungs and my legs were just not ready to do that. But I mean, we figured it out, and I thought we skated pretty well with them. Yeah, I think it, it definitely showed that the Riveters had some fight for sure. But as you said, sometimes, I mean, that's hockey, that's sports. Um, another piece of that conversation, and I spoke to Mie Dench after that game. I spoke to Packer after that game. We knew that we knew going in it was going to be Mie's last game because she's was and is headed off to law school but it sounded like and and here we sit in august and and i mean a lot has happened in women's hockey but it sounded like there were probably some other players in that locker room that were also at at least thinking of what next season would look like for them so you know i I just i'm just asking you to to take us back into that locker room and and what was your emotion um for yourself at the end of your rookie season um but then also as a team, been through a lot as a team from flights to lots of changes. Um, what do you remember the overall emotion being after that game? Um, honestly, I think it was just like any other loss at the end of the season. Everybody was pretty upset. Um, I know a lot of people weren't sure if they were coming back or not. 
um, if they're going to retire, what was going to happen. No one knew what was going to happen with everything that's going on in women's hockey. So um, I think it was just more of the season's over. Like that sucks. Um, For me, I didn't know if I was going to be playing again or not. So I was like, well, this could be my last competitive hockey game. But fortunately, it's not. I get to play at least 24 regulation games with the Whitecaps. So um, I don't know. It's different. Losing a game in professional when you know you could possibly still be playing is a lot different than when you lose in college because after your four years, you're done. You have no option of going back. Yeah. So it was like an emotion that I've never experienced before, but it was definitely this, the same like end of the season, lost, lost the game. Um, it happens. And um, I mean, it was just sad, I guess. <laughs> it was sad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it was it was a tough it was a tough game it was a, a tough season um, and again it was just that locker room in particular from from what Packer was telling me um, you know had had a lot of people that that needed to to make some some decisions and and do some reflecting uh, but so we're not going to end on a lull. Um, you know, you are coming back and hopefully we'll have you back on the founding four pod. Um, but let's end, uh, with, with more about these delicious treats. Uh, so mini donuts, what are some other Minnesota delicacies that fans and, you know, reporters now have to make sure that they try, um, when they go see you, uh, play with the Whitecaps over at Tria Rink this season? Um, I would say... Matt's Bar has the most amazing Juicy Lucy burgers. So Juicy Lucy, do you know what a Juicy Lucy is? I do. I, I just learned about this on my last trip, but, but let's explain it to everyone listening. So Juicy Lucy is a burger, and they cut a hole in it, and they infuse cheese into the burger, and then they put cheese on the burger. So it's just a bunch of cheese and cheese is my absolute favorite food if you didn't know that about me so it's just a bunch of unhealthiness (laughs) on a burger and it is most amazing thing ever and matt's bar has a good one and the nook has a good one as well all right excellent so not great for a pre-game meal but perhaps post-game pound a few beers back (laughs) yes exactly excellent okay Anything else? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's so many things at the state fair, but that's not during the season. So you won't be able to see that. Boo. Or have them. <laughs> I'll eat it for you, though. Okay, cool. Just just send me a few pics. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I will. All the things you're missing because you're not from the great state of Minnesota. Awesome. Exactly. I can't wait. all right audra well i am gonna let you go uh but again uh we're glad to have you back for the next season i mean i won't be as glad when you're playing the riveters but you know whatever we'll 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 figure it out um and okay perfect yeah here's to more uh awkward interviews (laughs) i'm so excited (laughs) all right audra richards thanks so much for coming on the founding four podcast thank you 
Always a pleasure to chat with Audra. Thank you so much for joining us on the Founding Four pod. Again, that was an interview that I recorded with Audra in about August. Uh, so she and the Whitecaps return to action, not this weekend, which is opening weekend for the NWHL, but they return to action on Saturday, October 12th, 2 p.m. local time, 3 p.m. Eastern at Tria Rink as the Whitecaps reigning Isabel Cup champions host none other than the Metropolitan Riveters. So that should be a fun one. And before we close out the show, a note. You might have heard me mention Audra has zero assists or had zero assists in her first season. Now, I like to tease her about this a little. We actually have a little bit of a wager going on. Richards really wants me to buy an Audra Richards jersey. I actually don't own a jersey. I own a few jerseys, don't have a jersey. So here's the thing. I'm totally down to to support players and buy a jersey. However, Richards has got to get a few assists this year. Now, I want to make sure that we are offering incentive for her to have more assists, but not necessarily dissuading her from scoring. Uh, Although if she doesn't score and light the lamp against the Riveters, I personally will be fine, but that's besides the point. So here's the deal. Mentioning this on Founding 4 Pod for the first time. I will buy an Audra Richards jersey. I'm going to up the ante and make sure that Richards signs the jersey and we'll give it away here to one of our listeners on the Founding 4 Pod. But you have to help us between this week and, and next week. So before... October 12th. You have to help us decide on the terms. Again, have to have insist uh, have to have assists incorporated uh, and don't want to dissuade her from scoring altogether. So use hashtag founding four. That's the number four pod. Use hashtag founding four pod. Offer up your suggestions. We have a few, but still haven't decided on anything. Both of us have to agree and you know virtually shake on it. And then at if and when Audra Richards reaches that goal, as stated in the terms, I will buy the jersey, I'll make sure she signs it, and we'll give away a Richards jersey. All right, so again, hashtag Founding4Pod. You can also reply on Twitter at Founding4Pod. If you want to follow me, you can follow me at elindsay08, E-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-0-8. And finally, and as always, a special thanks to all of the patrons and listeners that support this show. You know, we switched things up a little. We're independently run now, but we appreciate all of you who have already subscribed. We're on Transistor FM now. That's who hosts our show. But you can also find us on TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, all over the place. So make sure you're subscribing. Get your fix of the Founding 4 pod every week. New episodes drop on Thursday. And until then, bye-bye. All right. Enjoy opening weekend. Okay, bye.